What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to Theory Pre-Med. Theory Pre-Med is a podcast following the journey of three pre-med students, Mo, Todd, and Nathan. We talk about our path and experiences as we bring in guests who will connect pre-meds worldwide. If you're thinking about med school or healthcare, our podcast will give you the ultimate student perspective. Also, thank you, as always, to Chapman Radio for giving us a space to record today. Now we welcome Blake Calvo, our guest for today. How's it going, Blake? Oh, it's going well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Blake's, a, Blake's been a good friend of ours um, throughout our pre-med journey at Chapman. Uh, we always seem to run into him like all the time, everywhere. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> seems like that. Yeah. It certainly seems like that. Blake is, is one of those people that you kind of just like knows everybody and you just run into all the time. I think it's because he just annoys everyone, so everyone just knows him. I, I think it, it might have something to do with that. I, our freshman year, I think our class was a lot more social with everyone else. So yeah. of the like 20 biochemistry students that we had, we got to know pretty much everybody because everyone knew that we'd be studying six days a week and then... It was like ridiculous. I mean, that's basically the fishbowl now. Right. It's right? like, yeah, exactly. It's basically <laughs> the fishbowl. Yeah. It, I've stuck with the same group for my social circle for like three and a half years at this point. <laughs> You're going to senior year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So just to give a little bit more context, Blake is a senior biochemistry major, right? Oh, yeah. Let me, let me, let me provide <laughs> Go ahead yeah. and introduce I should definitely, yeah. I should definitely talk and, about that. Okay, so, yeah. Um, for yeah, what am I? I am a rising senior. What am I? What am I? Who am I? Who am I? Where am I? No, I, I think it's definitely the uh, the shell shock of the pre med program and kind of just like dentistry and all of that. But I am a biochemistry major, a senior at that, and I am starting up kind of the application process this next year. So following more along in lines with the pre-med students going with a fifth year or going, I guess, for the four-year, five-year plan rather than what a lot of pre-dental students do where they finish their exam like end of sophomore year, end of junior year. So, yeah, wow. and just to like make it clear, uh, in case I wasn't, but Blake is a pre-dentistry student. Exactly. I am uh, currently the track has been uh, maxillofacial surgery, um, which requires me to do both, actually. So I'm going to have an MD and a DDS um, because I, I am better. And um, I have better. <laughs> as it stood, I, I, I sort of had the option of doing medical school or dental school first. And it's just more strategic to do dental school first because I get to avoid the MCAT. Well, that's always and nice. just take the DAT yeah, instead. Yeah. So it's no, not like that. I'm, I'm not really I'm still got to take step one though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. at least it's pass fail for him, and it won't matter as much because of residency. Or do you have to take residency still? Yeah, oh, uh, I have to apply to a residency program for for oral surgery. So once yeah. I finish, how it'll look is I'll go through dental school, which is about three to four years. Once I finish the dental school program, uh, I have to apply to the oral surgery program. Now, that comes into how strategic was I and how competitive was I going into dental school because if I'm a more competitive student, I'm in a better program and they might already have an oral surgery program ready for me. Um, But most of the time, I'm going to have to apply to actually a hospital and then basically work as a surgeon resident and then work through to fill in extra medical school classes as needed. Um, The strats. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little ridiculous, but it's exciting. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Before we jump into like all the pre-dental stuff, let's just go around a little bit, talk about our summer. I know we all have one common thing in our summer, and it's physics, right? Mm. I know yeah. Todd, Blake, and I. Um, and it. Well, for now, we're, we're the ones that are done with physics, and okay, Nathan yeah, is yeah. still taking physics, yeah, right? Yeah. 
Well, so. I just, it's more uh, that I started late. Yeah, exactly. Um, I started at UCR taking physics and their, their session doesn't start till like June 20th, mm. but now I'm, I'm stuck for like the entire rest of the summer, mm-hmm. all the way up until like right before the, like the week before we, we come back. Um, oh. but honestly it's going pretty well. Uh, it's fast. It's really fast. Oh yeah, for sure. That's um, fun. but it's only four days a week. Uh, labs two of the days, lecture two of the days. And, uh, I did well in the midterm, so I was happy. Yay. That's good. No, I, you definitely seem a lot more like hopeful about it. I feel yeah. like I do throughout the whole yeah. course. Like N- Mo and I were every single day. We were just like, uh, like we yeah. don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to be here. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I was really scared of the curve, but now I'm no. not so much anymore. That's good. We should have a rule on the podcast that if a guest's phone goes off, they have to answer it on the podcast. Do you want me to answer it? I can tell you what it is. If you want me to tell you what it is, it's okay. Moving forward, let's just do that. It'll be funny. So, how was your guys' physics? How did it all end for you? I'm not going to lie. I am so happy that class is over with. (laughs) I'm glad to. Like, I. It's just one of those science classes where it's no matter where you take it, who you take it with, it's just going to be brutal. Um, And it's it's really a marathon, but. For us, it was more of a sprint marathon in a way, just because of mm-hmm. how fast-paced it was. I agree um, with that. Luckily, yeah. it, it ended well, and we still ha- we only have one semester of it to go, which we're going to be taking our senior year as of now. Um, but it, it's <sighs> just so time-consuming, and it takes so much out of you, at least out of me. Um, and I'm glad it's over, and now I can just focus on like my research and just having a good summer. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Physics so is. Good difficult <laughs> and, and i think i think what happens is that like the people especially the people who teach physics are like the smartest people 100%. on the planet and that's yeah. something that I've, I've really come to realize and they're just so smart and sometimes <laughs> it's just hard to like be like to follow them and i, I don't know but i have a I, newfound respect for physics absolutely people. like the way that their mind works sometimes yeah is what really gets me i've, I've never really met a physics teacher that i wouldn't <clears throat> that I wouldn't think is capable of doing any other field than science. And they're just like, yeah, I'm good at math. So I'm going to do physics. Yeah. Mm. Cause they're at least in my course, like I also took it at CSULB and I was in the physics two course since I took physics one at Chapman last fall and had such a negative experience with it that I decided that I needed to like, cha- I needed to shift. Something had to change. Mm-hmm. I go to the online course and it was Full, it was a fully asynchronous class at CSULB, and it was probably just as difficult, if not more difficult, like Mo said. It was like a sprint the entire time. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we were we were all gas, no breaks. It was like 65 pages of reading every other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was brutal. That's and true. And the, the annotations were hard. We would get graded on the quality of our annotations. And for someone like me, like I'm not writing <laughs> prolific or meaningful comments in my textbook i'm highlighting things and writing this is an important equation this is an important i, I don't equation. i don't even highlight anything in my textbook i don't even annotate my textbooks. yeah i don't either I, how do you guys think that's been affected like do you do you think uh people having more access to ipads and digital learning has altered how textbook reading works well for me it's just like try like if i'm gonna reword something like why do it on the textbook i might as well just do it on my notes and kind of like elaborate on it mm-hmm. and like on the margins of a textbook it's so small Fair. Where you can't really do that, and on top of it, I'm I'm a t- I'm the type of person to just like do online textbooks all the time, right? And you, it's it's not as easy to do that. I mean, you could comments and stuff like that, but still, I, for me, it's just not effective. So I've always been the person to just take notes while I read. Yeah. Uh, and at a certain point with physics, it was so much reading that I stopped taking notes and mm. like on the reading and just right. kind of like did my homework. 
and then just reviewed my homework and things like that. Yeah. My homework was basically my notes. Yeah. For me, I feel like my theory behind reading is that like I've never taken notes, I've never annotated and stuff while I'm reading, but I do actually prefer like hardcover or not hardcover, but like the hard not copy. online. Physical. Yeah, physical hard copy. I get that. And because I just feel like I can read it better. I don't know. I and mean, sometimes my <laughs> eyes hurt after I look at a computer screen for too long. Uh. But basically like I don't know, just the way I see it, I feel like it's like a primer before um, like you start actually learning the stuff. So it's Absolutely. like, you're not going to remember a hundred percent of like, you're not gonna remember every single word that you read in a textbook, but like the second time you see it, whether it be like in class or in some sort of example, you know, you just kind of know a little bit better. And that's how I kind hmm. of see it. But I think that's like one of the most important things in STEM. Like you, yeah. you need to see like, you're not gonna be able to get the material the first time around. No, no matter what. So it's, it's good to have like that pregame, I guess you could say, by reading the textbook yeah. and going into lecture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pregame, guys. Hey, listen, listen, you got a pregame, you got a pregame class because it's important <laughs> to make sure that. That's right. But like you said, the first time you see something, you really don't want that to be your class experience. And mm -hmm. at least I had like with this accelerated online course, there was no actual class time. It was the pre-recorded videos. So the benefit for me was I could just rewatch it. Mm. You know, I could 1.5 speed it when I'm reviewing <laughs> things and it's not that difficult to like hear the information again. Whereas when you're in a lecture, I completely agree with you, Todd, being able to read it beforehand, have like a visual of yeah. what you're gonna be doing before you see it is super valuable. Like mm -hmm. even if it's not apparent, like at first or even like while you're in class, I feel like right. it just overall just helps. Right. But Agreed. actually, I want to hear Nathan's thought on, yeah. thoughts on this because <laughs> he's doing it right now. Usually I don't read. Well, yeah, um, Nathan normally doesn't read. This is kind of like my thing. I don't read. <laughs> like, yeah. But what are you? It's, what are your it's become my thing. Uh, I hate reading textbooks, but actually for physics, I uh, I've taken some advice from you, Todd. I've skimmed the textbook <laughs> beforehand, um, and I, I have seen it help. Uh, Honestly, it does help to see it um, like beforehand, especially when the class is so accelerated. Mm. Um, everything is so fast paced and you have to see it and then hear it in lecture. But I don't take notes on the reading. I take notes in lecture, uh, yeah. which is the system that's always worked for me. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fine with doing that. The only thing is the like the homework already makes me learn it again. So I'm just like learning three times at that point. <laughs> so, that's true. So yeah. like, you know, I, I I read, but I skim, you know, and then yeah. and then I get to the homework and I'm like really learning it and more practice problems. Like that's what that what really helps my learning. I feel uh, like physics absolutely. was very um, like a lot of the test material and everything was very similar to the um, the homework problems. At least, yeah, yeah, at least for us, for us, at least. Yeah. That's and I, I've heard that like it's been a very common thing with even other people. Like I talked to I know um, I was I was at a family gathering on July 4th of July. And then um, one of my cousins, I guess, was her master's was in, was in physics. And I was, like, telling her about it. She was like, yeah, my, like, all my exams were basically, like, homework problems and stuff. So I guess it's, like, a pretty streamlined thing that professors do. Um, and I don't know why, but I felt like the reading for physics, at least, wasn't as helpful. I, I felt like the homework problems were a lot more helpful than the reading. And this yeah, is a, I, has been the first class I that I, I would say that. Yeah, I mean, I, but then it's always, like hard to know if their reading is actually translating to like how, how you're doing mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of it's kind of something you have to have a little faith in it's like yeah <laughs> right like, you know i just i think it helps so i'll just keep doing it that's right but and it, it might like have something that's like completely beyond what you need for the class anyway so yeah. you're trying to like figure out this one example in the reading and it's like oh, I, I didn't even need this anyway so yeah i can find that a little irritating when professors don't like suggest problems like for mm -hmm. our course we had no suggested practice and a big benefit for our ochem course i think we've talked about this in the past I'm, I'm sure it's come up on the podcast but 
having access to like four or five different sets of practice problems yeah. is super helpful. Uh -huh. um, and my professor for physics really didn't want to support us. Like we had our homework problems, which weren't really even representative of what was on the test. And he would not mention or mark anything in the textbook. So if you were going through those practice problems at the end, you had no idea if you were doing something helpful or not. And it turns out, of course, it wasn't because half of the exams were whatever the professor felt like doing that day. So, right no, in our final, that that was pretty brutal. Um, yeah, I know the last. I'm we, scared. There's like part A, B, C, <laughs> oh, like no. A and B were like pretty like okay, and then C came around, and er I feel like everyone just came like except a couple people in the class came out and were like, "What just happened?" Oh yeah, uh, no, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was kind of <laughs> rough. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I was like, did I learn anything from this class after like I took part C? Just because, like, I don't know, it was just, a lot of it was just writing down like not like equations I knew, and that was basically. I know Todd yeah. really went ham on that one. I mean, I <laughs> I honestly just I just wrote whatever like because I knew we got partial points, so I just wrote everything I thought I would need and like try to like visualize it. I tried the best that I could. Is what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, it's well, important to understand the equations, like what each part of it means, and like how it applies to the real world in physics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's what I was doing. I was proving that I understood the equation. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, yeah, I that's think that <laughs> you got to get those partial points somehow. Yeah. Well, that's enough of physics for now. But is there anything else like exciting you guys are planning on doing this summer? Well, I think what, what what's been taking up a lot of my summer interestingly was trying to avoid having to focus in on the pre-dent stuff so like this summer I, i'm trying to make a more conscious effort to just not inundate myself with work like i really want to um which has been helpful because like when i'm when we're at chalk and we're doing research or something um i have i have the the bad habit of not really realizing how long I'm in the clinic for and I'll just stay there because when I'm when I'm start doing busy work that needs to get done like my sense of time just dilates and I'm gone so like I accidentally was in there from like seven to seven for a whole week and I was like okay nice. I need to not do that <laughs> I need to not do that this is not <laughs> this is my summertime Wait, was I that last to... week yeah yeah because I didn't see you at I, all last week yeah. I was just I vanished and yeah. and then it of course the, the beauty of research, it turns out we were doing it incorrectly. So it's like, uh, <laughs> that's always, that's always the best. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my goodness. Can I catch a break? <laughs> no, I, I feel like with Blake, like one week you'll just see him and Keck all the time. And then the week after it's just, he's gone. Mm -hmm. just gone. Like, it's just like a, ba like a back and forth thing. And Dude, you'll ask everyone like, where's Blake? And everyone's like, no clue. Yeah. No, and the next I, week it's just, he's back. <laughs> see, I, I, I will admit one of my favorite part about Mo, Nathan and Todd is they never, they never are like, Blake, where are you? They just show up when we're there, yeah. and we always hang out and chat, <laughs> and then we all just disperse. It's great. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Because sometimes people get, they'll be like, where'd you go? Why, why aren't you at school today? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, because it's my summer, and I don't want to be here during my summertime. I don't know, I don't know what else to tell you. It's mm. funny because, like, you're always in the fishbowl. So, like, if you're not there, we think you're gone. Like, <laughs> you're absent. Um, yeah. If anybody doesn't know what the fishbowl is, it's like this, uh, like glass. It's, it's a fishbowl, yeah. With this okay. fish in it, there's water, <laughs> yeah. and you uh, go in. Swim. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I we actually have that here at Chapman. Yeah. I look like Nemo. Yeah, literal. No, I, I wear a clownfish yeah, costume. Can, yeah, you can put on a clownfish costume and you just swim around. Yeah, you Maybe just you swim scuba around. Scuba diving. Actually, here at Chapman, we've invented zero gravity, yeah. so it's a, a zero gravity chamber that people can swim and float in. If you really want to see it, come find out. Yeah, come. Actually, it was us four who invented that. Yes, med schools out there. a matter of fact. Yeah. a matter of fact, we actually discovered dark matter. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was pretty easy, but yeah. no, very trivial. It's our side project. Yeah. Our side project yeah. right there. 
Nathan, you actually, actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me what it is. let me clarify. <laughs> so no, the fishbowl is is like actually a place where there's fish, but it's on the TV screens. <laughs> um, I, 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 I would like to caveat that there are no fish in the fishbowl. <laughs> yeah, it's on the screensavers. Well. Yeah, the so it's just a study room basically, but it's like kind of in the middle of like the traffic area in our uh, science building where everybody passes by and you can see exactly what's in there and who's in there at all times yeah it's uh, basically a glass box exactly yeah, like, no it like is an it's a viewing fishbowl. chamber it makes it, you feel yeah. like you're you're an animal in you're a on zoo. display it yeah. feels yeah. like you have to study so like people like n- think you're like being very studious in there yeah oh my gosh it's which interesting is, which is great because it is soundproof and when yeah. the door is shut it is i'm pretty sure it's graded up to like 200 decibels when the door is shut because you can scream and no one will notice hmm. um and I don't know how, what I should do with that information. <laughs> no, it's just it's just funny because people, when you, Nathan, you say like, oh, you, people are forced to be studious. It's like the group that has been in there this past year, so loud, so loud, <laughs> and it was it was it was kind of ridiculous because there would always be comments like, oh, you know, <clears throat> people can't hear us. It doesn't matter. And one of my good friends, Jason, who is notorious for being for a valorant, bit of a, for being oh, for valorant, uh, among many other things, but. Jason is a competitive Smash player, like the oh. the, the game uh, All right, Super bro. Smash Bros. <laughs> All right, and time to time to get some competition. Yeah, in the school. no, he's I'm not uh, gonna lie. He's ridiculous, man, and he uh he screams sometimes. And there was a group of of a family coming by, getting like a private tour as Jason was shrieking at 5 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon during finals week. Oh my and God. the parents just looked at us like they just <laughs> stared. They were they were horrified. They didn't really know what to do because Jason was staring at the screen, shouting. <laughs> and for perspective, the fishbowl is uh, two of the walls are all glass, just like Nathan said, leading out to the kind of I guess what you'd call like the thoroughfare of our of our science building. But the TV is up against the opposite wall. So if you're sitting in the fishbowl and you want to use the TV. Everybody's using the TV. Everybody's using the TV. Like, everyone can see the TV as they walk by. Yep. Um, and they would just see, like, a bunch of very studious people on all of these floor-to-ceiling whiteboards doing, smash. doing organic chemistry, <laughs> yeah. right? And then they walk by the, the sound-canceling room, and there's, like, five yep. guys sitting in a semicircle <laughs> playing Super Smash Bros, <laughs> shouting as loud as they can. You know, that's not the only, like, Super Smash Bros hideout in the school. There's another one in Wilkinson's where really? these, like, engineering uh, graduate students, like, I've been there because one of the guys is in the chess club. Uh, he invited me there, and there's this, like, five or six guys that are just like playing smash all day like in that room under like the library with different like games yeah that's amazing underground like like rings (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, there's like there's like hidden smash rings going on yeah are you you going to the to the wilkinson smash yeah the wilkinson keep it on the tickets bro yeah no I kind of want to join my my Pikachu kind of goes crazy so I don't know. Oh, Pikachu, I right. might I might have to play Jason sometime. I know Jason. He's a he's a yeah. nice guy. He was uh he played in the chess tournament uh, when we had That's it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, um so hopefully he doesn't like scream over chess when he comes to our meetings next semester. <laughs> exactly, but Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely want to start playing some he, more Smash. He definitely like none of us can beat him is the thing. Like when I say Jason is Who does he an play? Well, when I say Jason's an actual Smash player, I mean, like, he competes at tournaments and, like, okay. does well. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he 
can play anything. Like that's how you know he's really good because all of our mains will get rolled by like him playing random. Didn't he use like his school's funding or something one one time to go to a conference? So like, to a conference, so, but then so he went to there, I, I, I cannot confirm if Jason used his research funding no. to pay for gas to go to a Smash <laughs> tournament. Um, I cannot confirm that. However, um, rumor says I, I would not put it past Jason. I love the guy, but I, I would absolutely see him doing it. Yeah, he told me something like that. He was like, I had research funding, and he, I guess he made some type of connection between the, the Smash tournament and his research, and then he got the school to pay for it. That's and he ended up going, and then uh, he played in the tournament. You know, he what he should really be doing is having the school pay for him to get new new controllers because he's had the same controller for as long as he's been alive, and we've been trying to convince oh Jason God. to get a new one. Yeah. It's a controller. He's a GameCube controller. Oh yeah, he used, okay. he's he has like a modded GameCube controller. It has like oh like, yeah, I know it, like less travel distance, so he can press buttons quicker. It's like he's talks about like the the microsecond inputs for certain wave dashing okay. and i'm like okay wow he's a tryhard I'm like, I'm like jason this is too much for me all right like frame rates and uh you lost me all right enough of video games Thanks. we've had a lot of video game talk oh, <laughs> you want to talk about legos now mo legos? <laughs> uh, okay i think i think it's time to to jump into the real meat of the episode exactly um, which is you know blake is a pre-dentistry student oh, we're no. pre-med students and i think that it would be like good to find insight on like you know First of all, like why I guess why dentistry as opposed to being pre med. Yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd love to give some some insight onto that. So the conversation I think for a lot of people always ends up being, you know, medicine. And I think for a lot of us, the conversation comes to medicine because whether that's like your family, in my case it was certainly my, my family was telling me for a very long time, they're like, Well, it's not that there are certain careers you you're allowed to have and you're not allowed to have. <laughs> Um, like, cause they were very supportive of many, of many things. But, um, you know, my parents had always said medicine is a great option. We think you'd love that because I had loved science as a, even as a little kid and my, my father's a dentist. So I've been raised and I've been inundated with medicine my entire life. I've seen healthcare from the hospital aspect, from private healthcare to, uh, the insurance. I've worked in an insurance office as an intern to see like what, what payment processing looks like. Uh, and I settled on dentistry because mainly it was, for me, a better mix of patient interaction, healthcare, and creativity. Um, dentistry to me is really like an art form, and not to get pretentious or to sound like I'm on, a, I'm standing on an elevated surface here, but what I think it does is. Unlike plastics or other cosmetic surgeries, it's not as invasive, but it's just as impactful. The number of people that I've met who feel fundamentally changed by getting a new smile, just having their teeth bleached, mm. was so meaningful to me and doesn't require a lot of labor. It's, it's very cost effective and everyone's going to need a dentist because no matter who you are, where you're from, one of the most difficult aspects of your overall health is maintaining your teeth. And... Um, for those reasons, it really kind of just brought me down that path. And then as a freshman, I, I finally met more pre-dent people since I had never met those people in my high school. Everyone was very much like pre-med, you know, cardiovascular surgery, things like that. And I finally got to college and met some people. I was like, oh, all right. Like there's more of us. Like I could, I could do this. <laughs> yeah, I could, <laughs> I could, I could deal with this for eight years. Yeah, 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 exactly. So That's cool. you, you mentioned like 
settling on uh, pre-dent pretty early, but was there a certain or like specific age or grade that you were when you decided this was for you? And did you ever consider being pre-med at all? Definitely considered pre-med, um, especially when I got, again, when I sort of got to college and I got to meet more pre-med students, like when I met all of you and I knew my classmates, there was a lot of, you know, I guess you could say it was very compelling for me to try and do medicine because it seemed like a no-brainer. There's so many other pre-meds around me. Um, you know, you're a part of that community. But dentistry was just, I guess, when I had originally set out was probably like 15-ish when I decided that this was what I wanted to do, uh, like set in stone. And I just, I loved medicine, but I thought dentistry could get me to the same place and it would just be, it would be just as, if not more fulfilling for me. And that's really, as I've gotten older, it, it's turned into I am more interested in what will make me happiest rather than what will get me something else mm -hmm, down the sure. line. Mm -hmm. And I think dentistry will help facilitate, like, living a pleasant life. And your sense. dad is a dentist, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How exactly has that, like, helped you better understand, like, the path and things like that? Because and the reason I ask this is because mm -hmm. a lot of students who are pre-dental students, right? Yeah, yeah. They don't have that opportunity to have a parent who is a dentist and things like that. And right. I think that's really helpful. Um, and I could, I could personally connect to it as a pre-med student because my parents never even graduated middle school, right? They never went to high school or anything like that. So a lot of it has been just me trying to figure things out. Um, and I mean, when it comes to that like standpoint, where, where, where do you have, like for students that don't have that, like how, how can they get that? I, you know, that's a really interesting question. I think that having family in medicine was definitely a double-edged sword. It comes with the advantage of you get to see it. So anytime I wanted to see dentistry, I go to my father's practice, right? I could see it. I could work there over the summers. Like I was, you know, really inundated with it. You know, he comes home from work. How's your day, dad? Oh, so-and-so procedure went poorly, right? Or so-and-so procedure went great. It was an easy day. But it also shows you every aspect of it. And at least from the private healthcare standpoint, it was really scary at sometimes because my father is not, he's not just dentist Frank. He has to be the landlord Frank because mm -hmm. you have to own the building. He's employer Frank. He's um, like in many ways, sometimes he's boss Frank and he has to sort of make this distinction between how is he the employer of talented, hardworking people but then how is he also their boss? Because it's different in his mind to be someone's employer versus being someone's, I guess, like overseer. And seeing how that dynamic can become really volatile at times was something that kind of kept me from saying, yes, I want to do this from a really young age because seeing the burden that it could carry on my parents was frightening. Um, but to the end of, you know, how can you find that? I think f everyone has to find their motivation, regardless of if their parents are involved or their friends are involved. You know, the road you, you choose to take has to be an individual path. It has to be something you decide for yourself, not what someone told you to do. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, the biggest growth from college and the pre-dental journey has been finally coming to that realization on my own, saying, yes, I want to do this not because... I was raised around it, not because it seems like it would be easy, far from it, but because I believe that it will make, I will be happiest doing this. Like I, I seek fulfillment there. No, and I, I mean, over and over again, I think motivation is so important when it comes to like this long career path. 
And I remember, like, in high school myself, like, I really didn't care much about, like, schoolwork and things like that. I cared more about, like, my social life and all that just because I didn't have much motivation and I didn't really see myself mm -hmm. in the future where I'm going to be. Right, right. But once I got into college and that kind of got closer, I knew I had to, like, find what motivated me and what I wanted to do in, in the future. And I think that's what's carried me through college. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually have, like, a pretty similar... Um, but different like kind of story and upbringing because my dad's also a dentist. Um, and, you know, I have had points where I was like, you know, what, maybe I will do dentistry um, because, you know, it, it would be it would be easier for me. I think I'd have more exposure to it. Um, I I already know like kind of right, what is right. what's involved. And I know how like, I know what you're saying about how. Um, you know, when you, you have to be a dentist, but then you also have to be like a boss and then you also have right. to be like the, the landlord. And there's also just all these like different business aspects too. And I also th like agree with what you're saying about finding your own individual mm -hmm. motivation, because for me, you know, I, I did end up shift, I obviously ended up shifting away from dentistry right, right. into being pre-med because I found, you know, this sort of motivation from my own life experiences. Absolutely. And I definitely, you know, I, I could just, yeah, I can I can totally understand. Yeah, snaps for that for finding it because it's yeah, that like really, yeah, that yeah, because like, it's one rough. thing it's one thing to be exposed to it, but then you I you do have to find like you know your own path in your own way, and something that I actually kind of think uh, sometimes is that like, you know, I actually I want to be different from my dad, <laughs> you know, and kind of find my own path, and that's kind of you know maybe one minor very very minor supporting reason as to why I want to do medicine just because like I think it's you know it's it's kind of it's different certainly certainly i've i <clears throat> absolutely can relate with the idea of oh i, I don't want to do this like it's just it seems so stereotyped or it yeah. seems so easy to just be what my dad is but what i've found interesting about that is it almost places not to again, not to not to not to make a pity party, but it certainly seems like it places a higher standard because I am no longer going to be Blake, the guy pursuing dentistry because he wants to be a dentist. I'm Frank Calvo's son. Mm. So it's mm -hmm. no longer just, oh, I get to be a dentist and if I suck at it, no one's gonna care. It's like, no, the spotlight's on me because his whole social network, I mean, there are 15, 16 dentists and specialists that all know me by first name, they all talk to me about dentistry and they all watch because none of their children wanted to do dentistry. They got like scared away by the, by the perceived pressure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting how it can be, it can be great to have someone involved in the industry, but it's almost that double-edged sword because then there's the burden of, well, they've already done, they've done so much. They've done, they're excellent. They're a great dentist. Yeah. How are you going to shape up? Yeah, like you, yeah. I definitely, oh yeah, keep going. No, it's just you have to hit that level or beyond that. And the expectation is oftentimes you will you will surpass what they did. And it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely I definitely feel that. I mean, because it's like, I do feel like you have to either be be the same or better. And it's like, you know, when, when they're so successful already, it's like, how do you shape up to that? How can you measure up to that in the future? Right. And that's definitely something that you have to face with. So I definitely see that double-edged sword. I think from both sides, there's like, I can definitely see the different pressures. Like, for example, mm -hmm. like you guys, um, for you, it's like these doors are already open, but you have right. to make sure you don't close them, right? Because like your family's name is basically on the line. But then right. from my perspective, where my family hasn't like made it this far yet, like I've opened up these doors and it, I guess like it shows promise to my family, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I have to make sure that like I kind of meet those like promises in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, I agree, Mo. I and, 
I mean, I'm sure like you're... I'm in the yeah, same boat. Exactly. My, nobody in my family has ever been in medicine. No, mm-hmm. Not a single person. Um, and I, I just feel like once I declared that I was kind of like I was heading in that path, they've always known me as like like a smart kid, I you know, like growing up and stuff. And uh, and I, I do feel like the pressure, like, you know, people in my family, they, they haven't gone to like really high career levels. Um, I mean, of course, Dang. everybody's like, no, <laughs> no, everybody's, yeah, stuff. Yeah. everybody's successful. Yeah, no, for sure, yeah. for sure. Everybody's successful and stuff, but like, um, like, not nothing like past four years of of college. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting to like kind of the eyes kind of turn on to you as you know the the oldest one of the oldest kids in the family and uh, and one of the, the perceived smartest kids. Um, they they really expect something of me, so I feel that, but not in the same ways they do because my parents are not going into in the same careers. So yeah. well, and something that actually I connected with Mo. I don't know if you remember, but one of the things that I remember coming up in one of the first times we talked was that my my mother never went to college, and my dad is the first person in my entire lineage. I will be the second person to attend college, and something that my my dad talks about and something that I feel is, you know, he was the first person to do it. He went all the way. No one had ever gone to college and he went all the way through dental school. He graduated from the UW as, you know, he likes to endearingly say he was the only non-white guy who graduated in his class. Funnily enough, of 120 dentists, he was the only one. He was the only one that was not a white guy from the States. And it was interesting from his perspective coming back to it and now being you know, kind of hit his successor in many ways. It's like, well, I'm not fighting that uphill battle. Like what, what he, what he had to go through to get to where he is, I'm not experiencing that. But something beautiful from that was that even though the spotlight's on me, it still means that I have the ability to do what I want. And there's still, there's still the appreciation for even if it isn't dentistry, so long as I love what I do, it's okay. And I, I have to say that's been like the, the single most impactful thing for my pre-dental journey has been um, being supported in such a way that I can find that motivation. It's not, it hasn't been on me. And yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm truly grateful for that because that is something that many of my peers and I see many, even with the three of you, you had to find on your own. And you know, I have the utmost respect for it because I, 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 I can't imagine, yeah. you know, I, it's, it's brutal. I do feel like I also do feel like kind of what Nathan's saying, because I actually like, you know, a lot of my family has had successful careers, but no one's been in medicine yet. And so because I've mentioned it to like my family members, a lot of them like start asking me every single time we see them. Like they ask me like, oh, how's it going? Like, mm-hmm. are you doing exactly yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. This added pressure yep. Yep. Um, that I feel. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's not like they're trying to, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're not trying to. They just want to see how you're doing. They're, they're like, excited for you. Basically. Yeah. Right. They're excited yeah. for you. And, and if I, you if you fail them, you know. <laughs> they're not gonna like disown you bro yeah, but like yeah. they might be disappointed and you don't want to do that you know? yeah i mean but i i do appreciate it and i'm lucky that i have people who support me and i, I feel like that i'm fortunate in many different ways um but you know I, I also feel like because i feel that i've grown up you know lucky and fortunate that i feel like if i don't reach a certain level of education or some sort of career level that that I'm wasting it in a way. And that's like something that I find that kind of motivates me is the idea that, you know, I want, I'm lucky. Like I have these opportunities, you know, I'm involved in these really great things and I just, 
if I don't live up to like this certain level, then I feel like, you know, I, I'm kind of just wasting it. And I don't want to mm. waste these opportunities that I've been given. That's true. And like for That's me, at least too, like I have siblings and I feel like it's somewhat st- like helping them realize like no matter what they're going through. Right. Like I know like w- my mom is really a single mom. Right. D- um, raising four kids. Um, and I, th- I wanted to show them that like no matter what, um, there's always going to be that way. And you could definitely take different paths and different careers, but you could still make it out of this like kind of, I don't know, where no one has gone to college, no one has graduated high school. Like I remember the like about a month and a half ago, my sister was like, oh, I'm thinking of just like taking a test out of high school and just kind of like figuring it out. And I was like, I mean, if that's what you want to do, go for it. But at the same time, like you're lucky enough to have like a supportive family and like they're they're really going to take care of you and make sure that like if you go to college that you're you're going to be able to make it through college. Right. Right. And like I, right. I just told her, I was like, just think about that opportunity you have and make sure that you take advantage of it. But if you see something else that you want to do, like you can definitely do it. Um, it's just I think a lot of the time, like with a lot of us, we're somewhat of like a role model in, in our family mm. um, when we're the first ones to go through college. Mm-hmm. And that's an, also like an addition of a, a pressure in, in a sense. Yeah. I mean, all of us are lucky in a sense because yeah. we all go to Chapman University. <laughs> we live in a <laughs> nice right. area. Yeah. You know, we all you know, have had some sort of like success yeah. within our families oh, yeah. that has allowed us to be here and to have these sort of opportunities. Yeah, which brings which brings me to the question. Um, I'm a little bit curious, Blake, why you chose uh, Chapman because it is a smaller environment, um, and you're in the minority here uh, as a dental student. Um, so what what made you choose a smaller private school versus a, a large school uh, yeah. like a UC? Have you ever like thought? I just like add on to that. Have you ever wished that you were at a larger school? Ooh, that's an excellent question. Um, I think what ended up bringing me to Chapman originally or choosing a smaller institution was mainly because of replicating what I had been exposed to back up in Washington. Um, I went to a high school that was really small. Um, our graduating class was 136. Oh, wow. (laughs) And... I yeah I mean mine was I, like eight hundred dude right. that was yeah. same yeah I, so, <laughs> I went to a really small high school too so you one, understand it like, like one hundred so, students in my class dang. um what I think ended up ultimately convincing me that Chapman was the right fit was because one the size was small but when I was interviewing and when I had originally come here you know I I I I don't I don't mean to sound crass or disingenuous but like they they were financially supportive. And that was a huge benefit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like, like I, I was only out here looking for like handouts, but Chapman was willing to help support me for my school. And no matter how you slice it, college is expensive. Yeah. So that was a huge factor for me. Like they were very adamant. They were very nice. Um, believe it or not, actually, Dr. Gartner, um, the chem professor, came out and he actually met with my family on, the, on like the convocation dinner and was like doing a lot of convincing with them because we were still on the mm. fence about why I wouldn't just go somewhere closer to home. You know, I'm an only child. Um, I'm from Seattle, Washington. Why would I go to school down in California? I'm far from home. My parents can't, you know, like give me a hug after school every day. So my mom <laughs> right. was like traumatized. Um, <laughs> and this was, this was a huge factor in helping determine that. She's like, oh, the professors are nice. Oh, the environment is nice, you know. Yeah. Um, and of course, like, again, it's just 
undergrad institution is not nearly as important. And I knew I wanted to be a dentist, so I wasn't concerned with where I went undergrad. I knew, all right, wherever I go, I'm just going to do my best, kick butt, take names, do as well as I can on paper so that I can apply somewhere else for graduate school. That's where I'm going to be a lot pickier. I mean, you say pickier with dental and medical school, right? Like, I'm going to apply to 30 <laughs> of them, and if one lets me in, that's where that's I'm going. That's where you go. Right, exactly. that's where I'm going. But um, there is going to be more of a process involved in, like, picking institutions to apply to, like, mm -hmm. curating those perfect 20 schools I'd like to go to. Whereas with undergrad, it was just, like, I just threw it out on the Common App, just kind of, <laughs> you know, there was one counselor for, like, 200 kids. So yeah. I, I met with her twice, and she's like, what do you want? I was like, small. And she's like, all right, cool. Here's a list. And gave me a free <laughs> curated list and I applied to all of those. So, nice. you know, rest is history. <laughs> That's one way to do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Uh, is that you, different from, from the two, from three of you? I mean, uh, let's see. Well, kind of to put it, put a little story to it. Um, when I was applying to colleges, uh, I feel, well, actually, I feel like I came from a pretty competitive high school um, where there were a lot of people who, you know, worked really hard. And me being in high school, I definitely did not work as hard as I do now. Um, and I really think I focused more like on myself and just kind of like learning who I was rather than like academics, which I mean, it's too late to change the past, but I think I'm okay with it now. I've come to terms with it. Hmm. But basically when I applied to colleges, I didn't get into a lot of the colleges that I, um, that I originally had wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. And I was waitlisted for a lot of them. Um, just to kind of spoil the story, I did get into uh, a couple of them actually, but you know, when I didn't get into most of them, I was like, okay, you know, these are the eggs in my basket, you know, it's time to pick one. Right. And right. through just kind of learning a lot and learning about, you know, what would be the best for me in terms of what my career interests are is just how I was able to settle on Chapman also yeah. added to the fact that they were very generous in financial aid compared to all the other schools that I applied to. Yeah. And, you know, that was, you know, it was that and then a combination of the fact that it was, you know, relatively close to home. I think it's like far enough to where, mm -hmm. you know, I don't I wouldn't go home every single day, um, which was also maybe a little bit challenging for my mom as well. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. The fact that it was far enough, it's in an area that is pretty familiar that I would feel comfortable in. added to the fact that it's an environment that I feel like I could see myself in. Absolutely. It definitely wasn't my first choice, but I could say now that I think it's one of the best choices I've ever made in my life. Agreed. I would like to add that caveat in there. Like I did apply and yes, they gave me aid, but in hindsight, it has been one of the best. beautiful. Yeah. And I and I think the best the best example I can give anyone, and it's only gonna make sense to people who are in college, so I apologize to anyone who listens who isn't there yet, but every single one of us, all four of us here, are on a first name basis or on a very comfortable relationship with very significant members of staff. Mm -hmm. We all know somebody who's a professor, a department head, a dean, and <laughs> we're on for, most of us are on a first name basis. Do we, do we call them their first names? Not really, it's yeah. still kind of an uncomfortable dynamic, but at least in my case, all of my principal investigators, all of my project leaders have all said, Blake, you can just call me John, Blake, call me Peter, and it's, that's been an experience I did not account for and that they don't sell very well on paper with schools. They don't mention that part. But if you're here, you know, and you put in the work, the professors notice you. When there's a room of 70 kids in a chemistry class and you sit in the first five rows or you're focused, you're asking questions, you're engaging, it doesn't really matter where you sit, they notice you. And that's the kind of relationship that 
I think money can't buy and why certain institutions in hindsight just won't ever be as good as Chapman because you'll never get that experience. Like I remember at Cal State Long Beach, the first day, the professor li- literally said, I will not know your name. Like he was like, yeah, but remember? it was also because he was just, he said that he was like bad at names yeah. and stuff because oh. we, we only had like 20, 25 kids in our class. So like, I think I don't I don't know if it was like that he didn't care or like but I'm sure actually I'm pretty sure he knew our names at least. Well, I mean end. we kind of but were pretty but loud just in because class. yeah because we were, <laughs> we were active yeah, and we participated yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Um, no, I totally agree with you on that, and I think it's somewhat of a domino effect too. The more like professors well know you, well said, your name comes up in like meetings and things like that. And, and when like, you get the right yeah. when you get those mentions, you get opportunities. Hundred percent. I mean, I like, you know. This is like my the thing that I get to I, I I love to flex about because it's just it seems so weird that I even got this opportunity. But my freshman year Gen Chem teacher, uh, Doctor Schwartz, actually sent me a personal email at the start of sophomore year. And was like, hey, one of the biochem faculty, Doctor Miklovic, is looking for some is looking for students to help him start literature review. I get onto a Zoom call with this random guy named Dr. Miklovic. Never met him before. Neither of us had our camera on. It was really awkward. <laughs> but he told me what I was researching. Came back six months later and kept doing more research, kept doing lit review. And here I am. I'm working at Chalk under the head of gastroenterology and the IBD clinic. And I'm scanning pathology slides for the same project. And that is all because Dr. Schwartz knew that I was solid. She knew yeah. that I was looking for research and... Like, and they remembered too. It was right. My name came up. There was she didn't write that down. It wasn't like I was emailing her. She just remembered. Oh, Blake was looking at wanting to do some clinical research. This could be really cool. Set up the opportunity, and just because Doctor Schwartz put me in an email, cc'd me, Doctor Miklovic instantly put me at some standard in his head that was like, all right, this person is solid, and that's the beauty of a smaller institution because. You know, again, that double-edged sword, though, if you if you make a bad first impression, it, it lasts a much longer. Right, right, right. So I think there is a bit of the pressure to make sure that you're always on your A game, but it pays off dividends. Like, you, you feel it for your whole college career, which yeah. is, I think, the beautiful part about it. And these are things that you don't really think about when you're applying to colleges. At least no. I never did. Oh, yeah. uh, me neither. Because, no, like, no, you, no. Don't, you don't think about, oh, I need connections when I'm in college and things like that because no one really tells you about that. And in high oh. school, you're just like told, get your A's, whatever, and then apply to college, and that's all they really care about. Um, but, I mean, I'm in the same boat as Todd. Like, when I was in high school, I kind of focused more on, like, kind of, like, figuring out who I was, right? And then, I, the, actually, the, the only reason I applied to Chapman, um, or, like, really any school, was because my friends were applying to those schools, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't really into, because my, my parents never told me, like, hey, this is a good school, like, apply to this and all that. I was like, right. oh, okay, so David's applying to UCI, I'll apply to UCI. Yeah, Nina's yeah. applying to Chapman, I'll apply to Chapman. And then when I got into that, like those schools um, that I applied to, I was like, okay, like what now? Um, <laughs> right, right. And Where then, do I go? Yeah, and then after like touring a couple of them, I ended up like kind of going to Chapman. Mm. Um, and just thinking about it now, it's I, I don't regret it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a lot more factors than uh or like a lot more factors to picking a college or a university um than it seems at first because True. one thing True. that i did not consider that i think a lot of people should be considering um especially when it comes to chapman is the fact that chapman is more of like a i think what's called like a teaching university or teaching college mm-hmm. where people are there 
to teach primarily. Right. And right. because they're there to teach means that they you know, are more supportive of the students and they really want the students, you know, they want to see them succeed and they want to put them in these positions or give them these opportunities that are helping them and that are helping them True. get to the next level. True. As opposed to some other universities that might be, you know, a lot more, say, like research focused where the professors care a lot about, you know, their research and progressing, you know, what's happening in their labs and maybe not giving attention to their students, but especially it makes sense when you consider the fact that they have classes of like 500, 600 people. I think at this point, right. like Chapman might as well give us like a discount or tuition after selling the school so well. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Sponsored. Uh, by yeah. not, not only, not only do, the two, do the three of you run a podcast, but all of us are involved in under unpaid undergraduate research that Chapman gets to put their name on as soon as we do all the work. I mean, oh. all right. Um, there you go, Chapman. So I hope you listen to this and mm-hmm. <laughs> just keep, keep our names out there. I really appreciate it. <laughs> one, yeah, one question actually that uh, came up when you were talking about choosing schools was how you were talking about being more picky when you uh, when you wanted to go to graduate school. Mm-hmm. And that's actually something that I was curious about because I was wondering, like, in what ways are you trying to be more picky? I'd l- I, I think that's an excellent question. Um, so... I think the stereotype and the and the 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 current um, paradigm as far as medical school, dental school applications is you apply to as many as you possibly can, and then you you know you figure out what that number is, and then you pick like let's say that's twenty, then you pick the best possible twenty that match things that you would like. For me, when I'm thinking of dentistry, I don't want to have to move very far from where I go to school to practice because I want to build connections with the faculty at the school, the hospital, and all of my classmates. So in that way, I'm trying to pick, like, you know, I'd, I'd prefer to go back to Seattle. And if it happens and I'm at Virginia or Kentucky or Kansas, you know, unfortunately, like, I'm just going to treat it kind of how I did with undergrad. I'm just going to put my head down, get good grades, learn what I need to do, and leave. Um, but ideally, it would be a place like the UW. You know, it's closer to home. It's closer to where I'd like to practice, and it's in my hometown. And for me, those three factors have been sort of what I learned from undergrad. Getting to be closer to home is going to be important to me. Um, and again, just being closer to where my professional development is going to be and where all of my resources are, like where, you know, like my neighborhood, my spot. Um, and then so for that reason, like UW is number one. Uh, a close second behind that is like U of P, University Pacific. Mm-hmm. Um Interestingly enough, their dental school program is one of the best in the nation, and it's a three-year program, yep. and it's in downtown San Francisco, so ideal location for private practice if I wanted to, if I choose to stay in California. Um, but beyond that, again, it's just going to be like I'm applying to as many as I can, places that might provide financial aid if that's an option, and places that have programs, uh, specialty programs. So like I said, I'm, I'm looking at oral surgery. Most of the dental schools I'm going to apply to are either partnered with a good specialty program or have the specialty program already mm. just so that I don't have to go to like, what's a great dental school, Ohio state. Um, if I go to Ohio state, that's a phenomenal dental program over there, but they don't have the best maxillofacial program. You know, it just, it isn't as good as say at the UW. So in a case like that, I would probably want to transfer and I just don't necessarily want to have to deal with that. It's just mm. a lot of moving parts. So I'm trying to keep it, you know, contained. Right. I'm trying to keep it as streamlined as possible so there isn't so much unknown after dental school. Like no, that's, that's what I'm trying to avoid. Right. 
I don't want to be standing at the edge of the cliff like, all right, where do I jump? I kind of want I want the route already planned out. For sure. Yeah. Have you considered wanting like a smaller environment like you have had an undergrad or is that not as much of a factor to you? Maybe because dental schools just are or like dental classes are smaller just given yeah. that. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be looking at size as a factor because once you get to dental school, like you said, they're much smaller. Yeah. And the dental, it's such a, a, a financial investment on the school for you to be there. And this goes for medical school as well. So all medical students, remember your value, all right? It is incredibly <laughs> expensive for them to have you. They don't want you to drop out. There's a huge, I, I think we, we miss out on that. But like in dental school, it is, they do a lot to make sure you don't leave. Great example, there was a third year dental student that was about to take their board practice state board exams in Washington bombed bombed so bad i mean like butcher butchered the case it was really it was kind of embarrassing um mainly because the patient lied it was another one of those cases where they you know for state board exams they have to curate what you need so the patient was like all right i need a crown on 11 i need a filling over here there was like you know they saved the patient for this practice board exam come in the patient lied about half the things that was wrong with them <laughs> um, oh, no. so so they couldn't there wasn't even a, right they didn't even actually didn't even need the filling on the right tooth so big issues like that, right? I mean, that's kind of dropping the ball. And in that case, um, the student bombed so hard, wanted to leave. She, she wanted to just quit dental school. She didn't think it was for her. The school like, helped her find another patient, run mock boards a second time, because they could, they, like, it would be so catastrophic to lose a third-year dental student. But that makes sense, because the school's banking on members coming back and teaching at the U, working in the medical dental building to help bring revenue to the school. I mean, there's a lot of benefits of having medical students in your system that you can then hire out because, you know, think about it. You're a dentist. You don't know what you're going to do after your career. You just graduated school. It's like, hey, we'll pay you like 85 a year to go work in the hospital as a dentist. I, the odds are you're going to say yes. If you didn't have something else lined up, you're probably going to say yes. So losing the potential for those students is such a, such a burden on the school that, they're really not they're, they're not going to want to kick you out you're going to have to do something or convince them or something catastrophic would have to happen for you to be able to ditch out of dental school so for that reason like it really doesn't matter where i go mm -hmm. like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna get my education and go to where i want to practice really <laughs> for sure. nice. so you'll feel you'll feel wanted <laughs> wherever you go you know <sighs> or you'll feel needed yeah well i maybe this is like a weird take but i'm not as invested in the feeling of being wanted or belonging somewhere right um i know i want to do dentistry and i'm only going to do it for myself so at this point i'm not as concerned with you know oh does the school like me oh are they do they want me there it's like nah man if you don't want me there then i'll take the information that you're willing to give and i'll leave yeah, like that's just what sure. it is give me my degree. it does seem like you have the motivation for it and i mean at the end of the day you're doing it for you and what your goals right. and whatnot and i think that's what matters but as we start wrapping up the episode, um, what advice do you have for other pre-dental uh, pre students out there, whether they're high schoolers, college students, really anyone? Man, you guys are asking some excellent questions. Um, <laughs> my number one advice is find your reason on your own. Find that drive on your own. Um, it's very easy to say you're going to do something, but it's much harder to do it. 
And as someone who has struggled academically and has had to put in the work uh, on some of those roadblock classes like OCHEM, math, uh, biology, genetics, you know, you got to want it. And it just, my biggest advice is if, if you think that's what you want, try and expose yourself to it to really see if that's something you could do. Because if you can see what it looks like to be a doctor and you like what that looks, you, you like that sort of life, I guess, in a way, um, it's much easier to stay motivated through the trials and tribulations of school. And just to add on to that, I think once you find that motivation, it's so important to build off of it yes. and just build that momentum because yes. that's what's going to keep you going. And then mm -hmm. when you look back at it, you're like, okay, this is my main goal, but this is right. what I've also done to reach that goal. Right. You're, you have a yeah. snowball effect behind exactly, it. It's like, 100%. okay, well, if one thing isn't good, I got all this other stuff that I've been working on. So that's agreed. Cool. Well said. Well, thank you so much, Blake, for, for coming on. Uh, this has no been a very good conversation. We haven't really had any uh, exposure to dental students or anything like that on the podcast, so I think this is going to be really beneficial for anybody considering that. Uh, so thank you, Blake. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for make having sure me. Make sure if you're listening, make sure to follow our socials, Theory Premed, on Instagram, at Theory Premed. We're starting a TikTok, so make sure you follow that. And Tuesdays at 8 a.m. are always our release times for our shows. So make sure you're keeping up with all of our episodes. Thank you very much. Oh, and then, wait, just to, just to add one last thing. All right. <laughs> uh, so normally we do this little last oh, ending true, segment of okay. what's called the most pre-med thing that. to say. But I think for this one, we'll adjust it a little bit. And we'll ask you what the most dental school or dental student Did you prepare him thing for to this? say. Or dental <laughs> pre-dent student thing to say, I guess. <laughs> what is the most pre-dent thing to say? Um, Yo, what type of toothpaste do you use? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on that Colgate. Do, oh. I'm on that Colgate <laughs> ride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do 99% oh. do of dentists actually recommend certain toothpaste? Like okay, so interestingly enough, interestingly enough, they cherry pick those numbers so well that it's probably true. Uh. Really? Which isn't well, okay. Well, if you ask a <laughs> dentist, they're not gonna like give you the scientific reasons why Crest isn't as good as like prescription <laughs> toothpaste. I don't think anyone cares. So <laughs> if you're okay. gonna pay the money for an advert, I'm sure they'll just sit there and say whatever you want. <laughs> what is the I, I have no idea what the most pre-dent thing to say is. Um think of Sebastian. That's not a good example though. That's the problem. I'm trying to think of like I don't know. I don't think there are any I don't I don't there aren't enough of us, and I'm not around them enough to know what the stereotypical phrase is. Give me an example. What's like? Actually, what's well, a, I, think, I, I know, I know. I think you did say a good one. It's like, there are more of us. I think that's a good <laughs> one. Are, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yes. Wow, there are more than yeah, just me. There's more than just me. I feel like every like, pre-dental student I've met, all you guys talk about is the paper folding thing on the DAT. <laughs> The oh, whole yeah, punching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the listen, whole punching thing listen, or the paint spot. I'm going to say this on the MCAT podcast because I got to let everyone know the MCAT is easy compared to the DAT. Oh, yeah. <laughs> DAT is way harder. We, we got to have you take both and then you can let us know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take both no. and I'll see. I'll come back with Very it. Very accurate yeah, study. Come yeah. back yeah. on the podcast and tell All us right. how it Oh, my goodness. Take us home, Nathan. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. You have to say the bye. Bye. <laughs>